0: on this December the 23rd. Merry Christmas Eve Eve. This is the day of preparation for Christmas Eve. So we are in Luke chapter 23 on this 23rd day of December. Hopefully you have been reading with us in the Gospel of Luke during this season of Advent. Today we arrive at the trials of Jesus, Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate and then before Herod. Picking up at verse 13, But they all cried out together, away with this man, release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time, Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that Jesus should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, and he delivered Jesus over to their will. What follows in Luke 23 is Luke's account of the crucifixion, which includes the two criminals uh, put to death with him. Picking up again at verse 33, when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by, watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. You know the account of the conversation that Jesus had with the criminals crucified with him. One ultimately saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And while the sun's light failed, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. All of his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. You'll then recall that uh, Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted him uh, that wish. And so at verse 53, Joseph of Arimathea took down the body of Jesus and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone where no one had been laid. And Luke adds this, it was the day of preparation. The Sabbath was beginning. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And on the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. It seems appropriate that on this day of preparation for Christmas Eve, we would read about the day of preparation upon which Jesus died. Let's be mindful of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's be mindful of the one who came that he might die. I know it seems strange to some that we would read this message about Good Friday on this day of preparation for the coming of Christ, but it's impossible to understand uh, the sacrifice of Christ. It's impossible to understand the resurrection of Christ and the promise of God if we don't understand the one who comes. Incarnate in flesh to the manger throne. Next up, Pastor Daryl Crouch, he and I are going to talk about what he's preaching this Christmas. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Pastor Daryl Crouch from the Green Hill Church. You can follow him at the Cross Tide blog. Uh, Daryl, welcome back and Merry Christmas!
1: Merry Christmas, Carmen. Thanks for uh, having me, and it's great to be with you. It's a good time.
0: It's, al- it's always good to be talking with you. Um, all right, so you are um, getting ready for one of the great days at church in the in the calendar year. Um, I suspect only second to maybe Easter and Mother's Day. Right. Christmas in terms of when people want to be together in the context of worship. Now, whether or not we are all physically together in the context of worship, I know that pastors across the country, including yourself, really ardently preparing to bring a message this Christmas. So let's just talk about that.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It is a big day, and it's a big time, and we need it. Uh, we need um, these rhythms of celebrating Christmas and the traditions that surround it, and sometimes people can throw off on that a little bit and say we've commercialized it, and certainly that can be the case, but but we need to see uh, baby Jesus in a manger surrounded by Joseph and Mary. We we need to see candles um, lighting the darkness. We, we need that, and um, so I think there are graces from God to give us the the opportunity to stop and step away from what has been really a, a tough year for um, for everyone and uh, give everybody a chance to to remember what God has done for us. But no, I think uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas uh, messages, the, the message of the gospel is really good news. And so uh, sometimes we've, um, uh, I don't know, um, set it aside a little bit and tried to pursue our own things to try to find joy and gladness and so on. And uh so I'm just sharing this message from Luke uh, 1 uh, the the um, shepherds uh, are arrested by the angelic host and and they find Jesus just as they were told and they left back they they went back to their fields with joy and gladness and uh the good news really does change our lives and uh sometimes I think we feel a pressure uh around the holidays to make something of this day that God has already made of it. He has made history. He has finished His work uh, in the person of His Son, and His first coming assures us of His second, and we can rest in Him.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, rest is, um, mm. I don't know about you, but that is a very good and great promise this year.
1: Yeah, God with us, Carmen. Uh, Emmanuel, he is with us in the fullness of time. Uh, The world was waiting, and you know, waiting is a heavy weight, you know, to bear. Uh, But Jesus came, and he has come. And uh, just as you've read earlier this morning, uh, he has finished his work on the cross. And then he says, you know, he, he, he told his disciples and others, he said, "'Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest.'" Certainly physical rest is important, and those rhythms of taking some time off if you can and, and uh, sleeping in late and all of that, that's great. But that's not the rest that uh, Jesus was speaking of. Uh, our hearts are weary, and uh, our souls are, are broken, and He heals the brokenhearted, and He restores the lost to Himself, and uh, He has done that. And so we don't have to contrive something here in a couple of days to make the perfect Christmas day. Uh, God has done that uh, in his son. And um, and that's where we will find our hope. That will that's where we will find our rest. That's where we will find joy. Those those shepherds went away. You know, I don't know uh, if most a lot of us don't feel great about singing solos. You know, we just don't go around singing. <laughs> You know, and so I imagine these shepherds going back, they may not have had great voices either. I don't know. But um, I get made fun of in my house for singing and making up lyrics and singing in a silly way. And and um, so a lot of us aren't comfortable just singing, belting out uh, melodies. Uh, some of us are, and they're more talented than me. But uh, those shepherds went back and they they were rejoicing. They went back to their field, to the same sheep, to the same field, to the same job, but their lives were forever changed. And um, Jesus does
0: that. Uh, Yeah, I think there's a reason that the angels sing and the people go tell. Yeah, I'm yeah, a, a go tell. Yeah. I am a yeah. go tell it on the mountain. Yes, because sure. the singing would uh, yeah not be nearly as attractive as the sure. angelic host. Yeah. Uh, Daryl, let's take a very. Oh, yeah. I do, I do. I am ridiculous. Uh, I sing and yeah, and I know God loves the sound of my voice. So there you go. Right. Um, you and I to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, maybe we'll talk about a couple of favorite Christmas hymns. But then I also want to ask you about. Maybe just sort of the exhaling of 2020, how we pray it out, and then um, maybe just preparing ourselves in prayer for 2021. I'm talking with Pastor Daryl Crouch from the Green Hill Church. We'll be right back. And now it's time for Christmas Songs with Daryl, the part of the show where Daryl comes out and sings a Christmas song. (laughs) Yes?
1: That's not uh, did not sign up for that.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's Phil Vischer. That's a different show. Um, That's a different show. That's a different show. All right. We um we do love talking with you. Um, anything any comment you want to make? I made my little list during the break, my, some of my favorite Christmas hymns. Um, what about you? Is there is there something that just sort of is your heart song this time of year?
1: Well, oh holy night's hard to beat. <gasps> I just um uh, my wife, she can sing, so she sings that. She'll sing that tomorrow night in our service and or to, uh, uh Christmas Eve service and um uh, So yeah, that uh, joy to the world. I just, um, I love joy to the world just because of what it uh, is proclaiming. And uh, so those are, those are a couple that mean a lot to me.
0: Yeah, I just love it. Um, We're going to, we're going to try as an extended family across the country to do a um, a Zoom sing along on Christmas, uh, Christmas night And my sister has put it together. And then last night, I think she went into a fitted panic, like, how is this actually going to work itself out? And I said, let's just not worry about how it's going to work itself out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be
1: fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right. Talk with us about sort of the exhaling of 2020. Like, how do you pray it out? And then um, talk with us about praying into 2021. Yeah,
1: I think we begin by giving thanks in all things. Um, That's a that That's an expectation. That's a, a biblical admonition for us to give thanks in all things, that the Lord is faithful. Uh, 2020 is, is, um, is also under the sovereign hand and order of God. And He has been near to us. He has been faithful. He has not forgotten us. We have hurt. We have lost. We have struggled. Uh, all those things are true, but He has not left us. And so I think to give thanks... I think also one of the things, Carmen, that I I fear sometimes, and this happens every new year, that that we think a new year is going to bring something new. Mm -hmm. Um, Fresh starts begin with Jesus, and the calendar does not order our lives. Uh, God orders our lives. So the idea that we get to have a—that everything changes on January 1st is uh, an unreasonable and almost an idolatrous kind of expectation. Uh, Jesus changes our lives, and he gives us fresh starts. And so uh, our intimacy with the king uh, produces in us and through us a kingdom impact. And so the question is, am am I intimate? Am I in fellowship with Jesus? Is his life, am I abiding in him today, whatever day of the week it is, whatever day of the year it is, Am I abiding in him today? Is my identity in him today? Am I resting as we said earlier in him and his finished work today? Is his grace um you know uh being enjoyed? Am I am I finding my satisfaction in him today? And then uh so many times we want to make you know we want to change the world but you know God just really wants to change us. And so um if uh, we step into intimacy with the king, uh, we'll see an in, a kingdom impact as the fruit of that into 2021 or 2022, uh, as long as the Lord gives to us. And so I think our hope in the new year, again, is a little bit and I don't want to be a, you know, a downer on that. I just I, I think it's a little misguided. And uh, uh, and then we find ourselves disappointed by, you know, February 1st, where, you, you know, nothing's different and uh, everything's back to the way it was in our hearts and in our lives. And so I think um, uh, fresh starts really do begin with Jesus. The other thing I would say is that, and this is a little bit of a Christmas kind of application, but everyone in the Christmas narrative uh, that we find that that we would say are commendable, all of them responded to Jesus and to Christmas with humility. And uh, I think... um, they, they received what was given to them, whether they were kings or whether they were paupers, peasants, shepherds, uh, whoever it was that um, they came to worship Jesus and um, they left changed because of their posture of humility toward him. And so if I've got a hope or prayers that we that uh, the people of God would walk in humility, I believe that's the pathway to to hope and um, that we would that we, in doing that, we would walk with Jesus in a way that He could work in our lives.
0: When we talk about joy, we talk about peace, and we talk about um, the reality of the coming of Christ for all time and for everyone. Um, it, it, I think it makes us more mindful of the scope of what's going on at Christmas. And so whether or not, you know, I get whatever I think I wanted from whoever it is that I think should have given me whatever it is that I think I wanted, right? It, however that works itself out, like whatever expectations and disappointments I might have about a particular Christmas, this one obviously in focus right now, um, if I can humble myself to acknowledge that what we are acknowledging is the coming of not only the greatest gift of all time, but the only gift ever necessary to make every other moment redeemed, possible, glorified, joyful, holy, meaningful, purposeful, Um, then no matter what happens or doesn't happen, according to my earthly time-bound expectations, Christmas is Christmas.
1: Absolutely, and we see that in Joseph and Mary. We see their lives were incredibly disrupted, but they were uh, disrupted by the divine, and um, th- it was a it was an amazing. They would not redo that. They lived in borrowed housing for you know a couple years, and then they had to escape to Egypt and um, spend all that, you know, uh, all those gifts that the wise men brought them, you know, to to run away for a few years and they responded at every step of the way in obedience and, uh, humility and Jesus, uh, was enough. And I know there's, uh, we, we don't want to draw too many parallels to the narrative, but he really was their life. And, um, and that was enough. And so they, when they even went back to Nazareth, you, you don't hear much about Joseph after that, really. I mean, we, we, we just don't hear anything about him, but he may have been the, uh, the more central figure than we would, you know, than we would think because of his humble obedience and willingness for his life to be completely turned upside down and disrupted. Yet he responded in humility and Jesus forever changed him. He and Mary both bore the the wounds or the scars, the impact of Jesus on their life for the rest of their lives. But that was okay because he was enough. And uh, I think sometimes, our, again, like you said, in the big picture, in the macro, we lose sight of that while we're um, really consumed with the micro. And so Christmas is a great time to step back and and remember what he's done. I fear sometimes we celebrate Christmas, you know, in September or uh, September, uh, December 25th. And then a week later on New Year's Day, we forgot all about it and uh-huh. we forget the impact that he has made and the, the way that he has changed our lives.
0: A- absolutely. Uh, no, there's no question about that. Um... All right, let's uh, let's commit together to commit 2020 as the year of the Lord, for it yeah. has been. Even though that's hard, right? it's hard to say that now. In in hindsight, looking, you know, at many of the experiences that um, that we endured in 2020, but it has been a year of the Lord, and yeah. 2020 or 2021 will likewise be the year of the Lord. Like that's what it is, regardless of what happens. Um, you know, in the turning of the calendar pages. And I just thank you so much for uh, the reminders today. I thank you for the ongoing conversation. Um, I thank you for um, the, uh, the tone and tenor and pace of your, um, of your voice and of your ministry. Um, I appreciate because, that. Yeah, I, I, I think you know what I'm, uh, what I'm pointing to and, and of, of what I'm speaking. And I just appreciate it. Appreciate it very, very well, much.
1: I appreciate you, Carmen. Uh, Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because you, your faithful love because of your truth. And um, it is the year of the Lord. We can rejoice in that.
0: Amen. Thank you, my brother. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We'll talk with you in 2021.
1: And Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much.
0: All right. That's Daryl Crouch. You can find him at Green Hill Church. You can also find him at the Crosstide blog. We'll be right back. All right, lots of uh, lots of headlines to turn to this morning. Many of them political. uh, Just reading that uh, that Pfizer is making an additional hundred million doses of their vaccine available to the United States under a brand new agreement just penned uh, or just signed with the government. So um, vaccines are uh, are now available. That's pretty amazing. Uh, reality: The president has pardoned a number of people, commuted the sentences of others, um, and there's a lot of conversation right now about the reliability of uh, of the news and the news sources to which we turn. So all of that up next with Dr. Hunter Baker from Union University. We'll be right back.
2: It's easy to think of tough comebacks when you're
1: alone, but when you're standing face to face with an opponent, you wouldn't dare say a word. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Many teens who are not typically bullies are using the Internet as an outlet for their mean-spirited words. Because online identities are anonymous, kids are discovering what I like to call digital courage and using Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sites to say things they wouldn't otherwise say in person. You've probably heard the term cyberbullying. And this virtual phenomenon has had very real consequences, as severe as suicide, as we've too often heard. Even the most loving parents can be blindsided by their teen's cyberbullying habits. Do you know what your son and daughter is up to online? You'll find ministry updates and lots of practical help for your family from Mark Gregston at parentingtodaysteens.org.
0: Joining me now, Dr. Hunter Baker from Union University. Hunter, welcome back.
2: Well, hi there, Carmen. Merry Christmas to you.
0: Hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. We are exhaling 2020. We are getting ready
2: to
0: (laughs) move into 2021. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to... Me too. I mean, Daryl Crouch and I just had a conversation about how it's idolatrous of me to be looking so forward to a new year, as if turning a page in a, you know, Greco-Roman calendar actually makes this much difference. But there's some there's some feeling about it, and I'll just acknowledge that maybe my feeling about it is not wholly redeemed. But I am uh, I am granting that 2021 uh, is a year of the Lord's favor. That does not mean that I'm denying 2020 was strangely a year of the Lord's favor. It's just hard to see it.
2: Well, for me, it's less 20, 2021 than it is when we get through this kind of two cycles of vaccination. Once we, once Mm. we get through that, then I'm going to start feeling better. Okay. I
0: like that. All right. Um, And maybe once we um, actually finally get beyond the 2020 election cycle, that feels like it will never end.
2: (laughs) I'm hoping that it does end. I get, I get nervous, you know, every now and then I I read these things or, or hear kind of scuttlebutt that, that the president has people close to him who want him to declare martial law and, you know, until uh, various concerns about fraud can be vindicated and things like that. And I can I can scarcely think of anything worse uh, than a situation like that. So I'm hoping for a nice, peaceful uh, transfer of power.
0: And I think it's important for us to note, Hunter, that um, no one is saying that there was no Fraud. There, there's always petty fraud. There's always fraud of of some varieties. There are always one offs, and even um, um, maybe hundreds or even thousands of votes. Um, but I do think it's important for us to um, begin saying, even I mean, even to my listeners who are now going to absolutely berate me, and I'm prepared. I I know you're there. I hear you. I have read your concerns. I have listened to the people whose whose interests you have passed along to me. Um, but at some point, the resistance to the res- to the election results is um, it undermines the foundation of the democracy itself, and that's a challenge that we now face.
2: Well, it's just really critical. Let's first of all, I agree with you that I think that there's probably always a certain amount of kind of low level fraud uh, <clears throat> in election. Yeah, I mean the guy we in know. Pennsylvania
0: who took his dead mother's uh, registration and, you know, and voted for President Trump. I mean, you don't really hear anybody highlighting that. But, you know, that's a case that is being adjudicated right now in Pennsylvania. Like it's it does happen.
2: That's right. Uh, And basically what you first of all, I don't really think that you can unwind uh, an election of the type that we've had. Let's let's say that you're deeply concerned about fraud. The answer to that is then you need to start campaigning for uh, a new system. We need mm-hmm. to address our procedures and our policies for how we vote. Uh, but I don't think that it's really possible to unwind uh, this election that we have had. Um, so I think that we have to be looking forward prospectively. And if if there are candidates out there who want to run on that basis and to kind of propose how we can fix our system, then, then that should happen. And let me say, I mean, given the level of technology that we have, uh, boy, it sure seems like we ought to be able to come up with a, a fraud proof system uh, that we could pursue. I, I I think that part of why there's so many concerns is that it has been it has been such a strange year. COVID did affect the level of uh, mail in balloting that we had this time. So that was unusual. Um, And what happened looked strange, the idea that, you know, Trump had won on election night and then proceeded to lose. But that was widely predicted. It was it was widely predicted that he would appear to have won on election night. And as the mail-ins were counted, uh, would then lose, which is exactly what happened. Um, So, Uh, I, I'm, I understand why people have the feeling that fraud occurred, but, uh, to me, it is entirely plausible, uh, that Joe Biden won was extremely heavy turnout on both sides. Uh, the polling was not correct. It was not a blowout. It was narrow in many places. Um, but it's easy for me to believe that, uh, that both sides turned out their voters. Donald Trump narrowly lost.
0: We are beginning to see individual um, and ultimately corporate lawsuits by, um, by people who work for um, polling organizations and or uh, companies who provided for polling. So I'm looking at a headline from Politico this morning. A Dominion worker is now suing the Trump campaign and several outlets of conservative media. Eric Coomer says, I want my life back. You lied about me in public. You lied about what we do. Um, and someone should pay for that. Um, and I, so I do think that as, as people, um, at some point, people have to recognize there are other people, there are other Americans, um, on the on the other side of every single one of these allegations and conversations. Uh, conservative media outlets, Newsmax and One America News Network, have had to backtrack. They have and Fox News has had to, uh, they have had to post public. Um, spotlights on themselves related to information that was fallacious that they have uh, publicly shared about at least two companies, um, Dominion and the other one is escaping me right now. Um, smart uh, Smartmatic. Smartmatic. Um, yeah. I just you know I just think that the reliability of the news that we're watching we we tend to want to believe whatever news outlet it is that is our favorite and in fact they're not all telling us the truth, and they're not telling the whole truth, and they're not telling nothing but the truth, and it happens on both sides of the aisle.
2: <clears throat> well, you know, the truth is an absolute defense for slander and libel. Uh, and so if Newsmax or, or Fox News, uh, Lou Dobbs, uh, One America News Now, um, if they were confident that they were reporting the truth, then they would not back down. Uh, So the fact that there's been a significant amount of walking back uh, is a really pretty strong indicator to me that the claims of fraud are uh, overblown or exaggerated, uh, you know, can't be backed up with the facts. I've consistently been underwhelmed by what I've seen presented by figures like Rudy Giuliani, and we we have kind of this ongoing thing from Sidney Powell and, and Lynn Wood. Uh, but to me, you know, and look, I'm, you know, I was not in favor of Joe Biden winning the presidency. I'm not excited about a Joe Biden, uh, administration, but, uh, I just don't see the, uh, the proof that the fraud really happened. So that's where we are. And the important thing is, is to kind of maintain the system that we have. We, we take it for granted. The peaceful transition of power is part of how you avoid being a banana republic, Uh, with an out-of-control government. And so I think it's really important that we go with the results of the election.
0: All right. I'm talking with Hunter Baker. Um, You know, the conversation that we're trying to have is a conversation about truth and that truth does matter and that as Christians, we want to be people who pursue the truth um, and we want to be people who then um, tell the truth and stand on the side of truth. And we just, at some point, we have to recognize that uh, in terms of the last election cycle, knowing um the the perfect truth about every single vote and how it was counted um maybe now time passed and that's a challenge that is a real challenge i recognize it um hunter and i recognize it we also recognize that not all of us have been told the truth about all of these things truth has been uh spun uh to to satisfy um, certain individuals and, and their desired outcomes, um, that's important to recognize as well. All right, Hunter Baker and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBerge. I'm talking with Dr. Hunter Baker from Union University, um, and we are seeking to demonstrate what it looks like to have a civil conversation even about things um, about which we might deeply disagree and so uh, i recognize that the soil that we are tilling right now in terms of a conversation about the 2020 presidential election its outcome um i i recognize it makes some of you very very angry um and i guess i want to invite you to ask yourself why why are you mad at me um, for, for talking about uh, these things in this way? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really actually not here to make anybody mad. I'm, I'm not mad. I'm seeking not only to understand what has happened, understand what is happening, um, but walk my faith out into the world um, in a way that honors Jesus. And I just recognize that I follow a Christ who, um, like, literally took it on the chin it was not right. It was not righteous. It was, it was unholy. It was unjust. Like, I get all of that. Um, and yet we proceed. And so um, what does it look like to be a Christian in the midst of the current uh, nation of which we are citizens at this current moment in time um, under what very much looks like to me a transition from a Trump to a Biden administration? So that's what it looks like to me, and that's the reality we're seeking to live in. Um, Hunter and I want to lift up uh, a headline you may or may not have heard yet, and that is about the pardons and commutations that President Donald Trump is making um, here in what you would assume at least those around him view as the waning days of his administration because that's the reason that presidents do this. Um so uh, remind us Hunter, what a pardon is executive power to pardon people, executive power to commute sentences. What's going on here?
2: Well, sort of the the leading uh, the leading executive leading law enforcer in the country, the president has this power to uh, to pardon people which which means to uh, to essentially uh, Put an end to the punishment they are receiving uh, for any any crime of which they were convicted, and uh, at the end of administrations, that is a fairly common occurrence. Uh, You know, maybe the most notorious one I can think of was uh, Bill Clinton's pardon of uh, Mark Rich uh, back around the in the year 2000. Um, But it happens with virtually every presidency. And uh, so the sort of the headline grabber was probably the uh, the pardon of George Papadopoulos and uh, and Mike Flynn. Before that, um, Donald Trump also pardoned some uh, nonviolent drug offenders as well, uh, which sort of fits with uh, his drive toward um, criminal justice reform.
0: Yeah. And I was um, I haven't read it in its entirety, but I know that um, that David French has uh, posted a, a pretty extensive um, piece on the pardon of the men of Raven 23, which is a part of um, a, a conversation about U.S. engagement in the Middle East. Um, ah,
2: right. Blackwater. A, you know,
0: yeah. And um, and, you know, David French um that's his man. That's what he was doing, right? I mean, he was making day to day determinations about whether or not what we were doing when engaged on the battlefield over there was um, uh, legal and ethical. And so uh, I think that uh, you guys who are interested, it's at nationalreview.com. David French has a piece posted right now uh, Pardon the men of Raven 23. This piece is actually from May of 2019. So David is obviously, David French, obviously supportive of the pardon of these uh, of these military personnel um, by the president. So it, it, there are, there are, the stories are always complex. There's always a lot going on. Um, and the review process that the president and his team go through that ultimately results in somebody's, someone's sentence being commuted and or a person receiving a presidential pardon it's a mammoth undertaking. This isn't something that, you know, somebody, you know, called about yesterday and the president signed a pardon. That's not how this works. So, I uh, just want to recognize that we are people who live under the pardon of God. Like we are forgiven. Um our sentence hasn't just been commuted, we have literally been forgiven by the act of God's overwhelming grace through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, I think that if you want to, you know, as a Christian, engage in a conversation today where you have firm footing, um, a conversation about pardon is a good one to be engaged in.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, You know, and also, by the way, it just occurred to me, the fact that he is pardoning people uh, signals that he does intend to leave the White House uh, at the end of his term because, uh, presidents virtually never do pardons when they when they intend on uh, remaining in power. So I think that's a pretty good signal that he's accepted the election result.
0: All right, let's uh, let's make a pivot to uh, to Christmas and New Year's. Tell us what um, I don't know. Let's do let's either do f- like favorite memory, something that jumps out in your mind as a favorite memory, or a favorite tradition, or you could just tell us about your favorite Christmas carol or hymn.
2: Well, first of all, uh, my parents were. This may not go over well. <laughs> my parents were huge into the Santa Claus thing. Uh, so, so when my sister see now everybody would...
0: <laughs> knows what's wrong with you. See that's good. No people are like aha! I now have my diagnostic key.
2: Exactly, that's exactly. Good. My sister and I would would come into the living room, and uh, the the presents weren't wrapped. They were they right because Santa doesn't bother displayed. with that.
0: Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right.
2: They were beautifully displayed. So it was as though you had come out of your bedroom and won a game show or something like that. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) that was a pretty that was a pretty good memory. Um, The uh, but the thing that I cherished the most was that there was a period of years where my mom's side of the family, we would all gather uh, at a place called Twin Pines. It no longer exists outside of Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, And there was a lake and there was, uh, you know, uh, kind of a mountain to climb. And uh, it was just a beautiful family time. And, you know, people who wanted to do things could do things and people who wanted to sit and watch football and talk could do that. And it was just uh, a beautiful time. If I could go back in a time machine, I would I would go and visit with those family members in that place again.
0: That's awesome. I love that. All right, uh, we're going to say adieu, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Hunter Baker, we'll talk with you again in the new year. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, take a deep breath this morning. um, We are in the process of celebrating Christmas Eve Eve. Remember that today's reading is Luke chapter 23, um, if you have not yet been into the Word of God, uh, go do that. Go do that. Go spend some time in the Word of God before you spend time worrying over the headline news of the day. Um, trust me when I tell you, the equipping that you need is found in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Read the prophecies that point to Jesus. Read the fulfillment of those prophecies in the opening verses of uh, of every gospel. Um, Read with us Luke 23 on this 23rd day of December. Um, I really, I know I might sound like I'm begging, but I'm begging you, please be in the Word of God. Um, There's no way for us to be equipped as Christians to walk our faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus if we have not saturated ourselves with the Word of God. Um, The spirit of the world is heavy upon many of us. Um, And and let me just say that the Spirit of Christ very much desires to be the one not only influencing what we're thinking about, but how we are engaging with one another. So let me encourage you um, in the very spirit of Christmas, in the very spirit of the one who comes, Emmanuel, God with us. Go be in the Word um, for a while today uh, before you get into the world. We do have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next.